Now we're in the series called No Ordinary Family. Um, in an ordinary world, we can be a part of something extraordinary. Whenever God um, started forming River State Church, he pulled together a group of people, and, um, and I kind of became part of the story. I was in seminary, and they approached me about starting or about being the church planner for this church. And I remember walking, I was going to Starbucks, and I don't hear this clearly. I haven't heard this clearly from God except for a few times in my life, and I heard clearly from him. And, uh, and, and I asked him, I said, God, I know nothing about starting a church. I had never been to any church planner things. I hadn't finished seminary, right? I've been a youth leader my whole life. And, uh, and actually, I thought I was going to China to be a missionary, okay, because I'd been over there recently. And so I asked him, I was like, I said to God, I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about starting a church. And, and God, this is what I heard God say to me. And uh, again, it was, it was not an audible voice. It was a, a voice that was spoken as clearly though as I could have heard it. Um, and he said, I'm not asking you to start a church. I'm asking you to build a family. And I thought, well, man, I have a family. I know a lot more about family than I do church. And there was just a sense of, that was the beginning of my call of me saying yes to uh, being obedient to God, and that's how River City Church started, and that was the framework in which we started. And so when we talk about, we're not an ordinary family. The church is not an ordinary family. The church is a family, okay? But it's an extraordinary family, a family that reflects to the world something that the world cannot offer, okay? And, and there are different things that exist within the church that don't exist within the world that give us life. And that the world sees in us, and they are drawn to life. They are drawn to Jesus, because Jesus is life. I mean, he says that to us. I, I am the author of life. I am the perfecter of life. And so people come to a church, come to River City Church. They see the family of God, the children of God, that we are brothers and sisters. These are all words used to describe the church. Brothers and sisters. We're brothers with Christ. Brothers and sisters with each other. That we are God's children. All of these things. They come, and they see Christ in us, and they're like, yo, yo, I want some of that, because I'm not getting that in the world, okay? And so as we talk about this, just know that uh, as being a part of River City Church, you're, we're, we're really a family. You're a part of a family here. That's our goal. That's our desire. Uh, I, we, I suck at being institution, right? At organization, about following through, about structure, all those things. That's why we hired Alan. He's creating that within our family so we can connect. And today's talk, what I want to talk about today, is the importance of connecting so that we can encourage. And the necessity of encouragement in our life, that it is not an option, it is a necessity to encourage one another. And we're going to look at a passage in Hebrews that talks about that necessity. Because many of us believe this lie that, yeah, being in a small group, well, I just don't have time for that. Or, or connecting with someone you know, like Sarah talked about having a mentor, having someone in our life that's further ahead. I just don't, I don't know about that. That would be awkward, weird, and I have to, like, be honest about stuff that I don't want to be honest about, right? Because uh, we're drawn to hiding, okay? And so we're going to talk today about the necessity of encouragement. And it's all good. Like, this is an encouragement. I don't want you to feel like I suck as a Christian. I, st- I got to quit saying that suck word. <laughs> I stink as a Christian, I think as a Christian because I'm not meeting with anyone. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm inviting you in to an opportunity. I want you to know that our church is committed. Our family is committed for, you know, to you to be connected. 
because you will not make it in this world if you're not. You won't. You won't. You will live a marginalized life. A marginal, you will be a marginalized believer, meaning, not guilty, meaning that you will not experience the fullness of Christ, the fullness of what Christ has for you. Being connected is central. This week I'm going to talk about encouragement. In two weeks I'm going to talk about the verse in James where it says we need to get together. We need to confess our sins to one another. And we need to pray for each other because the prayer of a, power, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. And he goes on to say that is it within this context, he says, and you will be healed. This is how you're healed. Is by confessing your sins to one another and praying for one another. And so I'm going to talk about that in two weeks. And the importance to get together, to pray for one another, to confess your sins. It's going to be a happy talk. Don't worry. And, uh, and, and today I'm talking about being encouraged. Okay, so let's, let's jump down. You know, and here's the thing. You hear these testimonies, these words we had, right, during worship, that uh, there are folks in here who feel like they're an illegitimate child. There are uh, folks in here that are doubting that God is good. And so when we hear those things, the ultimate encourager, the ultimate the ultimate counselor, the wonderful counselor in our life is Jesus Christ who comes and he speaks into that lie like Shane was talking about. He breaks those lies up and he reminds us of who we really are, okay? But we just forget. We, I mean, the story of the Israelites, the story of God's people is that we hear truth and we forget. And so being encouraged, meeting with someone is someone who is watching your life, who is tangible and they're, they're affirming and confirming and reminding this reality of who you are. I mean, it's epic. It's amazing. Because so many of us, so much of our Christian walk, because of our brokenness, because of our struggles, believe that these lies. Am I really a Christian? Am I really, am I really who God says I am? You know, one of the things that, uh, that God has wired me for, there are a lot of things that I'm not good at as a church leader, Okay. One of the things I'm good at is just being real, being antly up here with a desire to create an environment that you feel like you can be authentic, you can be real, it's normal to be broken, we're all jacked up, and our only hope is Jesus, okay? And so what you need to know is there's a whole nother part of my life that I will never share from here because you'd either fire me or you would leave or call me names, Facebook, you know, Heretical, Antley's her heretic or whatever. Um, and so I can't share those things here. But I'm in groups where I do share those things. I'm in relationships with individuals one-on-one where I do share those things. And those relationships and those places where I share those things, and people do remind me, Antley, you're not a church leader. You're a child of God. That's who you are. Church is what you do. That's your calling. And they remind me when I mess up that, hey, you're still qualified to do that, though. God still loves you. He's, he is your friend. He is your brother. He has great things planned for you in the midst of your brokenness. brokenness. And so they reaffirm, they speak these truths over me. And those relationships are what allow me to be vulnerable here, to be honest here, to create the environment. Because if those voices were not in my life, I would never do that here. And that's how many of us live. We live out of relationship with people who are encouraging us, who are speaking truth into us, speaking truth over us. And what that does is it gives us the freedom to be authentic with other people and with the world. Because when we know who we are, 
When we know who we are, we know who we belong to, there's nothing in the world that should create fear in us. There's not a relationship, there's not a person that could take that away from us, should be able to take that away from us. And so meeting together, meeting together is important. It's a necessity. It is critical to life and being in a family. It is essential if we want to be in a family. Not only for you, but for all of the people that you will minister to and you will touch and you will encourage and you will embrace. At the end of this talk, I want to talk about, I'm going to tell you, show you specific ways for you to get engaged at RCC. And I know that many of you, some of you, might have been engaged. You've been here. And one of the things that we hear is, I can't get connected. I, I just, I try to get connected. I did this, I did that, and I just can't get connected. It's really clicky. It's all these things. And all that's true, unfortunately, because we're a messed up group of people. And um, that's certainly not our desire. It's certainly not our desire. And as we're working through this series about being the family, we are really going to make an effort to create opportunity for everybody in our family to get connected with someone somehow. And we have a number of ministries that are cranking up to help facilitate this that I'm going to talk about at the end of the service. Okay, so let's look at... We're going to look at Hebrews, mm. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, says this. Okay. We got an hour and 45 minutes before the game. 50 minutes because 105. So I'll end at 1. You got five minutes to get home. Ready to roll. All right? No, that's not going to happen. If you're here at 1, I won't be here. Okay. Hebrews 3, 12 to 13. See to it, brother, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. All right, man, you read that and you're like, oh, snap. I'm, my heart is hard. I need to meet with somebody. I need to meet with somebody bad. I'm turning. I'm running from the Lord. Right? Hopefully you're not saying that. But that is what that is, this verse is saying. Unless you're meeting with people to encourage you daily, the danger, the risk is that your heart will become hard and you will turn away from the living God. Now, the book of Hebrews, right, and I want to unpack this, is written to an urban culture, okay, and, um, and they're experiencing so many struggles, so much trouble, so many difficulties that they were ready to give up. They're ready to forget God. They were ready to just give up and go back to the way of the world. And this passage, one of the things that we see is a theme that goes through the whole book of Hebrews, which is this life that we're living now in this world is a journey. It's a spiritual journey, and it will take you through a wilderness. It will take you through the wilderness. I'm going to unpack what wilderness is. Um, and the only way we're going to get through it is by encouraging one another. And this word encourage here is a command. It's like the, the greatest kind of word that can be used telling you, do this. You got to do this. You better do this. If you don't do this, that's what it's saying in this verse. Okay? It's very clear. It's very direct. The word is tricky. It means a lot of different Kind of neat things, but encourage, counsel is one of the kind of the most direct and clear things that it means. Um, but this verse actually comes 
is the ending verse of a paragraph where the author of Hebrews is referring back to the nation of Israel when they are between being rescued from Egypt and the promised land. And they're kind of in this in-between time. And the author of Hebrews is reminding them, he's saying, look back at what your forefathers did when they were in the desert. Look back. And so I just want to read that real quick and, and kind of show you what's happening here a little bit. And so in Hebrews 3, 7 through 8, just above this, a few verses, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Okay? And what they do, they ended up giving up. They bailed on God. Okay? And then at the end of this, it says that, that God says, And because you bailed on me, you will not enter my rest. And so whenever Jesus comes on the scene, he says, I've come to give you rest. He's speaking to that. I have redeemed. I have been faithful to the Father. I have not given up on what he's called me to do or on you. Come to me, everyone who is tired and weary, and I will give you rest. Because on your own, you can't do it. Okay? And so the author of Hebrews is pointing back, and he's saying, look at your forefathers. Don't do what they do. Encourage one another so that you won't harden your heart like they have and turn from the Lord. Because if you do that, you remove yourself from experiencing not only the rest of God, the peace of God, the love of God, the joy of God, all the things that God has for us. Now, that doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It means that you're choosing a life in the wilderness. You're choosing to live a life like your forefathers did in the wilderness. Now, let me tell you about the wilderness. The wilderness we think of as like jungle, Amazon, right? Like dense forest. That's not the wilderness the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about a wilderness. It's like a desert, okay? But it's not like a desert that you're just going to like, you got to run through because it's going to burn your feet and it's all sand. The desert was like there was patches of grass. Um, there was a little water here and there. And you could go through the desert but you couldn't stop and live there because the desert was so arid, so dry, that it could not sustain agriculture. It could not, it did not, it could not sustain enough food for your livestock. It could not sustain um, water and the things that you would need to survive. Okay, And so the desert, the wilderness, was, was something that you had to move through, but you had to bring enough food to make it, enough water to make it because it wasn't meant to live in. And if you move there to live there, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die of thirst, and you're going to die of hunger. Okay? And so that's the picture that the Hebrew author is communicating to us, that, that you don't want to be in the wilderness. Don't be like them in the wilderness. Do not go there. Do not try to stay there. Do not try to find life there because you want. You won't. Okay? And so the author of Hebrews is making this point. Spend time together. Encourage one another. Don't let your hearts get hard. Don't turn from the Lord. Because if you do, you will end up in the wilderness. Wilderness, bad. Non-wilderness, good. Wilderness, bad. Non-wilderness, good. Okay? And so that's one of the main points I want to talk about today. And the reality is that in this world... It tells us that there is life in the wilderness apart from God, right? 
it tells us that you can live in the world. Because the author of Hebrews is saying that you are going to spend a chunk of your time in the wilderness. And you have a choice. You can try to find life there in the world, but it will leave you hungry. It will leave you dry. And eventually, you will die of thirst. Because the greatest and deepest desires of your heart cannot be met in the world. Cannot be met in your profession. Cannot be met in your family. Cannot be met by money. Cannot be met by... Uh, relationships, by having children, none of the, all of those things are good, but none of those things will satisfy the deepest desires of your heart. Those are the things that exist in the world that the world tells you there is life in. But those are things that are born out of or exist in the wilderness. And so when we go and we experience these things and we hunger for these things that the world tells us to, eventually we dry up, we lose hope, and we need each other to encourage us, each other, so that we won't stay there, so that we won't choose to stay there. And so there's two kinds of groups that this first piece I'm, I'm talking about, about the wilderness is. There's one group here today that you are living in the wilderness, you are loving the wilderness, because you don't know anything more than the wilderness, because you've never experienced Jesus in the kingdom of God. You've never experienced what it's like to live outside of the wilderness. And so your understanding of what life is, is life in the wilderness. And the invitation today from Jesus is come to the ultimate encourager. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you truly what your heart's desires are. If you're thirsty, come to me and I will give you living waters that will spring out of you uncontrollable come to me i'm the bread of life and i'll give you a food and you'll never hunger again and so some of you are sitting here today thinking ah man i'm hungry i've been dissatisfied what is i'm doing all the right things i have a great family i have great kids i have money in the bank i'm rolling my life is epic but in your heart sitting here today god has you here today to tell you there's something deeper there's something deeper and what I know is that right now the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going after that. I'm going after the depth of your heart, what you're created for, because I want to give you life. A life that you have never seen, a life that you have never imagined. And I am going to pull you out of the wilderness. I'm going to give you what your heart's desire is. And so that's the invitation. That's one of the things that the Hebrew author is speaking to. are people who don't know Jesus and they're living in the wilderness... And he's inviting them out. Now, for the rest of us in the room, um, we are believers. We have experienced the kingdom of God. We have experienced the love of God. But what do we struggle with? We struggle with being in the wilderness. We struggle with, like, finding, like, kind of like, I want both. I, I want Jesus, but I, want, I still want some of this. You know, and you're like, mm, Jesus over here. Mm, I got this over here. Party, party, party. Right? And... What, what's happening like this? This isn't comfortable. This isn't life. This isn't what we're created for. And so we need to encourage one another to remind each other, like, that's not who you are. That's not what you're created for. You're trying to fill yourself up with things that don't give you life. That's why you're miserable. That's why you're unhappy. That's why you're seeking things of the world and not of God. And so we get together. We encourage one another in, a, in an effort to pull us back out of the wilderness. Now, we can't not be in the wilderness because we live in the world. We live in the world. 
But that's one of the things that encouragement does. The other thing that encouragement does for us is that in the world, it says that you're, Jesus says you're going to suffer tribulation. But don't worry, I've overcome the world. What does that mean? It means that regardless of what's happening in your life, I can bring you out of that. I can give you a peace and a rest that goes beyond your circumstances. You know, like Derek said, he's like, yeah, they gave me this diagnosis, this diagnosis, this diagnosis. But that's not what God said. Or you hear Kendra saying, yeah, they've said this, they've said this, they've said this. But this is what we believe that God sees in our baby. This is who God says our child is. Okay? And so when we get together, we encourage one another. We remind each other, like, get the heck out of the wilderness. You're dying over there. Why are you going back to slavery? I've gotten you out of there. But we also walk with each other in the midst of our struggles. You know, we started the AIF group, Adoption and Fertility and Fostering Group. For this reason... People who were adopting children were getting to a place where they were having struggles with their adopted kids. And just a number of the volunteers that were in this way just pulled together, and they're just walking with each other. They're encouraging one another. And then shortly after that, we felt like God was saying, all right, there's folks who struggle with sexual sin. We're not going to hide from that. We're not going to allow people to stay in the wilderness in that area. No, we're going to create space for those people to come and be encouraged, to come and be strengthened. To be reminded of where life is. You know, we're, we're getting ready to, to, to move towards marriages and to really reach out towards marriages. You're going to hear more about this. But, you know, in about a month, we're going to start a workshop where we, uh, for a few days, you're going to create an opportunity for us to train mentors. It's 10 hours of training. But we want to equip people to love people and walk with people in our church and with them in their marriages. Now, when we talk about all these groups, it's not like I'm here, you're here, I'm awesome, you stink, right? And look at, no, that's not how it works. Because we have the same spirit living in each of us. Some of us might be farther ahead in our walks. But what's so powerful about getting together, encouraging one another, is that as we encourage somebody, what do they have to do? They have to trust us with their heart so that we know how to encourage them. And so as they trust us with their heart, they trust us with their, with their life, what is most important to them, and invite us to speak into that, we receive life as God heals them. We are reminded of who God's called us to be as healers. We're reminded of how beautiful and powerful and amazing that God may, has made us to be. So that's why we encourage, all right? That's what the wilderness will try to steal from you. But there's something, other, there's something else happening with the Israelites that I think is even more devastating than what I just talked about. I think it's true. The, the main reason we need to meet together to encourage one another. Okay, now imagine the Israelites. They have been rescued out of Egypt, right? And now when they were rescued, do you remember what that was like? Like God started sending these plagues, crazy plagues, showing up in crazy ways. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Doing things only God could do. Now imagine you're Israelite. You're like, oh my goodness. God is real. Who else is going to send a gajillion frogs around? Or cricket things? Or turn a river into blood? What, what? That sounds just like God. I want to follow that dude, right? And you're going to trust him. And you're going to go with him because he's demonstrating his power. And he's demonstrating his capability to rescue, to love, and to care for 
his children, okay? And then, so they're rescued, and then they experience the pillar of fire at night. What is that? What did that look like? That looked like, I want to get some of that, right? And then the pillar of the smoke during the day. I mean, imagine the kids like, what? What? Can I go touch it? You know, you'll get sucked up and thrown out, son, or whatever. That's what my kids would have done. Like, is that, that's God? Well, he's good, you know? And, and, and then they, he parts the, the Red Sea. He parts the Red Sea and takes them through it and then gobbles up the bad guys in the water, sparing every Israelite. Okay, so they've experienced this, right? And now they're in the desert. They're not in the promised land where things kick off again with miracles. Uh-oh. They're in this in-between time in the desert, and they're like, this stinks. Where is God? He's rescued us, and now he's left us. There are no miracles happening, or if they are, they're very few and far between. This bread you're giving us, good the first two days, not so good now. When, when we were in Egypt, we had lots of food. It was awesome. I'd rather be a slave. I'd rather be back in the wilderness. Okay, and so imagine they're obedient. They leave what they're doing. They get out of the wilderness, and all of a sudden, what do they feel? They feel abandoned. They feel like God's left them. They feel like they're crying out to the Lord, and they're saying, why aren't you doing what you said you would do? Why aren't you doing what I need? Why aren't you doing what I want you to do, God? Why aren't you doing these things? I've done everything you wanted me to do. Why aren't you showing up? In that place, we will lose hope, won't we? In that place, we will begin to be cynical. We'll begin to doubt God. We'll begin, we'll begin to think, is, is he really worth it? Is he really worth it? I remember back over here, life was fun. I got to treat myself all the time. If I worked hard, I was rewarded. God, I have turned away from these things. I'm doing what you said for me to do, and I'm being crushed. Where are you? Where are you? And so the author of Hebrews is saying, yeah, your life is going to be like a wilderness. Your life is going to be difficult. Because not only is the world going to let you down, but a lot of times you're going to feel like God has let you down. And in that place, you will feel lonely. You'll feel isolated. You'll feel like God doesn't care about you. Your heart will harden, and you will turn away from the Lord. And the author of Hebrews is saying, this was true for them. Don't turn away. Don't give up. He was saying that to the, the Christians when he's speaking in Hebrews. And he's also saying that to us this morning. Do you not want to give up? Do you not want to turn away? Do you not want to not rebel? Do you not want to lose hope? Do you not want to have a heart that is hard? Then encourage one another daily. This is how that doesn't happen. Encourage one another daily. This is what it looks like to be in an extraordinary family. This is what the family of God is created for. This is what we're called into, to be for one another and to receive from one another. If we are children of God, the promises of God, we need to be reminded of those things. If we're brothers and sisters, we need to act like brothers and sisters. And this is one of those things where, well, I feel this way. I want, what do I do? You do it. You do it. You make an effort to do this. 
You stop blaming the church. You, start, you stop blaming and looking at other people, and you engage. You initiate. You are responsible to some degree. A lot, you know, the Holy Spirit's leading you. You're empowered by God. But take responsibility for your health, your spiritual health. Take responsibility for, with the grace that God has already given you to do this. Take responsibility for if you feel like, I want this. That is God leading you and wanting to give this to you. But he's saying, do you trust me? Even though you don't see, feel, or hear me right now, do you trust me? Do you trust that I'm good? Do you trust that I'm your father? Well, then do this. Because I'm telling you, if you do, you will be, you will be encouraged and you won't have a hardened heart. It's why we do testimonies, right? Because when someone gives a testimony, we're encouraged. And we're reminded, like, oh, yeah, God's good. He stinks in my life. He's not here. He's sleeping somewhere. He don't care about me, you know. He cares about you. That's great. Maybe he'll care about me one day, right? I'm just saying, that's how I think, right? Maybe I shouldn't have said That's something I maybe shouldn't have shared right here. Should have been left to the group. All right? So look around. Look around this room. We sit in the round. So you can look around and see each other worshiping. You can see each other, God blessing you, and you know things about each other. You see each other worshiping, and you're like, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. But look around right now. Every single person you see needs to be encouraged. Every single person you see. Every single person you see is struggling with the wilderness. They feel lost. They feel lonely. They feel like God's abandoned them. They have sin and brokenness in their life that nobody knows about. That's from the wilderness. It's from the world that they struggle with in their flesh like Paul did. I know what I'm supposed to do. I just can't do it. And that's where they are. Why do I keep doing this again and again and again? Every single person in here, every single one, struggles with these things in some capacity at seasons in their life. And they need to be encouraged. They need you to encourage them. And you need to be encouraged. Here are some things that we're going to, that you can do. Okay? Right here. Mm. You have to engage and make an effort. I already said that. You have to come to the things that we offer, right? River City Church, I'm leaving there. They don't offer any fellowship or community. Well, come to the daggum things that we offer if you want to connect. <laughs> I want them to come to my house and engage me. I want to be healed. I'm staying in my room until they come here and heal me. No, come to the meetings we have, right? Brian's getting ready to start this thing on parenting. I mean, I should be at this. I'm not going to go, but I should go. <laughs> oh, my word, should I be there? But you should go because Brian is going to be intentional to create space for you to connect with people. He's going to have all the toddler parents together, all the, the kids' crew parents together. And so you're going to be sitting in these groups, and you're going to be hearing horror stories, you know, about your kids chasing them with knives and throwing pudding across the room and putting their sibling in a trash can or something because they don't like them. You're going to hear these stories, and you're going to, be, you're going to have an opportunity to engage. Oh, I can relate to that. Why don't we swap numbers and pray for each other? Why don't we swap numbers and grab a coffee? Come to the things we offer, RCCU, men's ministry, women's ministry, grace and truth. A, the AIF group, this men's group that we talked about, there's so many opportunities, but you have to choose to engage. 20s and 30s, they're meeting today. 
marriage mentors I talked about. We're not going to call it mentors. We're going to call it like, I don't know, couples with compassion or something like that. Okay, go. Is there more? <laughs> We're not sure yet. We're working on that. But here's the best way. Here's a connect card. They're out there. If you want to connect with somebody, fill this out. And this week, someone will call you. Someone will call you. Now, I randomly picked this out of a pile. Just I was like, I need a connect card to look at. And I read it. I'm not going to say who it is because I don't know who you are. We need to connect. Okay? And they said, they write their information down, and then they said, I would like more information on city groups. Okay? Now, we are wired right now. You write that down. We're calling you. We're talking to you about the demographic of your family, where you are in life, what you need, where you live in town, and we are going to make sure that you get connected. That's our responsibility. That is our, what we prioritize. That's what we want to do. Okay? And th- this is great. And then they signed up, like, I want to do children's ministry. That was last week's talk. Ryan. Ryan gave that. Um, Brian, I mean. Okay. And then they wrote this down. They wrote this down. This is awesome. I have a sp- – I, I hope this is – you don't feel bad if this is you. I love this, though. I, this is a random card. I have a specific prayer request. I'd like to speak with someone about following Jesus. I think this is the only one that we've ever gotten that said that on it. Maybe. Hopefully not. But I don't read these. That's amazing. That is amazing. I have people to do this, all right? I'm out connecting with you. I'm out encouraging you, counseling you, walking with you. No, I love that. I love that. But this is amazing. This is what we want. This is what it means to be in a family. I come. I'm in the wilderness. Will someone tell me about Jesus? I, I have kids. I want to be in the kids' ministry. Yeah. And I want to connect with people. That's a picture of our family. That's what we want. If you want to connect, fill out a connect card. If you filled one out and no one's called you, fill out a connect card. And no one calls you this week, fill out another connect card. If no one calls you that week, fill out a connect card and bring it to me. Okay. But this is the desire of our staff, you guys. I mean, uh, I mean, we have worked so hard to create structure so that people won't fall through the cracks. It breaks our heart, and we hear stories about that happening. But we want you to know, God wants you to know, the author of Hebrews wants you to know that we are in a wilderness. We live in a wilderness, and we need to be with people. We need to be with people that will encourage us. We need to be encouraged daily. And if we aren't, We'll lose hope. We'll lose hope, and our hearts will become hard, and we'll turn away from God, and we will walk back into the wilderness. The role of the church, the role of family, is to make sure that doesn't happen. Let's stand.